Hello, hello. My name is April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and this is the podcast. Today, I have Willow Aldridge with me. She is from Gilbert, Arizona with me. I've kind of been interviewing quite a few people from my area, and I think part of the reason is just because I think it's fascinating how different, like how many different things can even be um, in one single location. So I do interview people from around the world, but also locally, and I think it's great to have you. Thank you for coming, Willow. Thank you for having me. So Willow is a dog trainer and she also boards dogs. Uh, she's a full-time student and she stays home with her child. Um, do you have one or more children? You have just one. All right. So Willow, tell us a few things. How did you start working from home and when? So my work from home experience is a little different because I did the same with the dog boarding and the daycare while I worked. I started from home. And then I picked up a few jobs here and there, um, but evidently I really liked working at home. So I kept going back to it. And then I actually left vet med in May of this year and went full-time uh, at home. So when you say vet med, were you like a vet, veterinary tech or what were you doing? I worked the front. So I, I dealt with all the calls, all the people and all the dogs. How long had you been in the office? daily or how long did I work there? Like how, how many years did you work in the office, the vet office? So I worked less than a year in the office, but I had previous experience. Um, growing up, uh, my grandma was a dog rescuer and was super close with the vet in their very small town. And from the age of like eight on, he let me come sit with them and watch the surgeries. And I did appointments. I gave vaccines. So I had a lot of experience prior, but I jumped into vet med after leaving another job that the pay wasn't that great. Yeah. And how old is your kiddo? She will be two in January. Oh, little one. Yeah. I think you told me that you've been working with the dogs from your home for what, like five years? Uh, probably I started actively doing the business around 2016, but I had been doing training and other types of just basic sitting uh, for about nine years. Okay. So I'm excited to have you today because I think your work from home job, your, your career right now is, you know, a little different than that standard, like nine to five thing that a lot of people are doing the keyboard uh, work and, you know, all the phone calls and stuff, you are like literally with dogs 24 seven. Can you talk yep. a little bit about like what a normal work day looks like for you right now? It really depends on the dogs that are staying with me or the dogs that I have to go check in on. Uh, some of the dogs, especially puppies require more time. So, you know, between every two to four hours, even overnight, uh, and some people need me to drop in you know, around 5am. So my schedule varies pretty much every single day. Uh, some days I'm up at five and some days I'm up all night. Um, I, it really just kind of depends. It's a 24 seven sort of thing. And you said that your work is a little seasonal. Can you talk a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, dog boarding requires people be out of town, <laughs> which means that people go on vacation which is usually around the summer months or the holidays. So that is when I'm most busy. And right when school gets back in or mid-year, uh, it's really slow. Okay. So here in Arizona, even though the weather is nicest in the fall, winter, and some, uh, spring months, summer is when people are trying to get out of Dodge, right? <laughs> right. So I have to stay home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So one of the things we're going to talk a little bit about is some of the isolation that can come with working from home. Cause you've talked about experiencing some of that. Yeah. I am a people person. I love talking to people and being around people. And when I'm not, it's, it, it's difficult for me. And so working from home, I very briefly see people. I do a few phone calls here and there to kind of, you know, explain what I'm doing to other people or for training, just consults. Uh, but other than that, I don't really see people and it can get a little lonely talking to just dogs. <sighs> I, it's been difficult. Um, I feel alone a lot and 
I don't, I don't know how to describe the feeling. Right. Well, I think a lot of people have felt that way just in general with the pandemic, bringing everybody home and not getting out. Are you taking the dogs out for walks or are you mostly boarding them in your, do you have like a big yard? How do you do it? I have a, I have a decent sized yard. Uh, thankfully it is cooling off, uh, because during the summer months, it's really only, you know, five minutes at a time outside in small increments and walks are really not a possibility unless I'm going super early in the morning because the ground is way too hot. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, there's activities that I do inside. We do enrichment activities, but outside stuff at the moment, or at least during the super hot days is not a possibility, which is the only downside. Yeah. Um, and I don't know, some of the houses in our city really vary in far, as far as sizes. Do you have a basement or any extra space or are you just kind of like crammed in like we are in a smaller home? I'm all in one home. Yeah. <laughs> smaller home too. I, I don't have a basement. I think my yard is bigger than my house, mm-hmm. uh, but I do have everything organized. So upstairs is kind of where my older dog stays because he doesn't really love having puppies all over him all the time. And usually that's for the older dogs. They spend a lot of time upstairs and in my office with me. Uh, Whereas the puppies or the dogs who are prone to make a lot of messes stay downstairs. I have a baby gate and everything. Uh, This just makes it easier. What? You have tile flooring downstairs, not upstairs. (laughs) So it makes it a whole lot easier to clean and we moved from an apartment. So all of the furniture that I have downstairs is all furniture that was gifted. So it's disposable at this point. Got it. Yeah. For when we pick a better place. We actually met each other through our local buy nothing group. Um, The buy nothing project is where people um, it's like a giving culture where are kind of like free cycling or upcycling things where, you know, one man's trash is another man's treasure, if you will. Um, So I actually learned about the Buy Nothing Project from one of my previous uh, podcast guests. Uh, Let me think. I think it was, I'm looking really quickly. Uh, Nicole Eichinger was, I think, my episode 17. She was a a nutrition expert. And um, she told me about this. And it's kind of been life-changing. And we were just talking um, before we started recording about what a great group it is. Just, um, I was cleaning out my garage anticipating, you know, company and trying to clean up a few things and got rid of a lot of things. But a lot of the things that we've brought into our home in the last year and a half or year, I guess it's only been a year, um, came from the Buy Nothing Project. And you posted, um, so one of the things that you can do with, um, Buy Nothing Project is not just give away physical things. You can ask for things that you might need, like, before I go to the store to go buy one, I just need to make sure not no one's trying to get rid of, uh, you know, fill in the blank. Um, and like today is Wednesday. So every Wednesday we have what they call wishful Wednesday and people can, you know, just state a big or small request and just kind of put all in one long thread. So usually we have a good 150, 200 comments that people, you know, saying, I need to borrow a table this weekend, or, you know, does anybody have Halloween decorations? And, it's like kind of you anticipate looking for those things. Um, but you actually were using a different kind of um, another aspect of the group. And that's where you can ask for or give um, what they call gifts of knowledge, if you <laughs> use the speak. Yeah. Um, and you were talking about dog training and you said you were creating a resource that you were willing to share with the group. Do you want to talk about that a little bit? Yeah, I, I've had a lot of clients especially clients with puppies who, you know, see on my profile and they're like, Hey, I know that you're a trainer. Can you, can you show me how to do something? Or I see a lot of people putting up their dogs uh, for rehoming because they're too much or they don't know how to deal with it or their dog is fearful. And so I wanted to create a resource of everything all in one uh, with pretty much everything that I've learned or that I've you know, personally trained and experienced all in one group with kind of steps on how to do it and why, why do it that way. And there are in the document, a few other, you know, ways to do that. If you're not comfortable with a certain form of training, there's other ways and different tools. And I talk a little bit about 
desensitizing a dog, why crate training is important. So I just wanted to create a document where everybody can kind of jump in and, you know, find something that's useful for them to maybe create, you know, a better relationship between a dog and a person. So us as boarders and those people who are needing to post don't have to see the struggle between the dog and the person. Is this something, I know you said it's still kind of something that's in progress and you're continuing to update it and revamp it, but is it something that you can see yourself making into like a course that you would like um, sell in the future? Yeah, I've, I've been thinking about it. I wanted to maybe create a blog that maybe prefaces each of these topics and then maybe have something like that course or just access to the document. Um, to allow people that resource. It's really hard to find a resource that has everything all in one. I know I struggle with finding it when I'm trying to learn a new sport. That's what we're doing right now. Uh, Our newest dog is going to be in competition IPO, and I cannot find anything anywhere that's just a good layout of what I should be working on at what point. Because you know, for sport, you've got drive building and all sorts of things like that. And so it's, it's difficult to find something where, you know, here's where you need to build the foundation for this task. So I'm hoping to create something as I learn to, um, for everybody that could use it. I'm not a dog owner. Uh, we had dogs growing up, usually golden retrievers, um, family dogs, um, in the country and they, generally were, I mean, we lived on a hobby farm, so they were kind of like free range. I don't know how you say it. (laughs) I don't know if that's a thing still anymore, but um, I think in more recent years, they've, you know, put them in a kennel at night. But um, when I was a kid that actually, when my parents bought the house that my, that they still live in now, um, a dog came with the house. (laughs) She was already 16 years old and she lived several more years. I think she made it to like 21. Wow. Um, Yeah. Yeah. So we have one cat and um, my daughter actually just finished a cat sitting assignment. She had, um, I think someone in our, in our local community or our neighborhood just posted, is anyone, you know, willing to help watch our, our cats and our bird while we're you know on vacation this summer? And then that trip fell through. And so they finally were able to get out of town and my daughter, and I, you know, went to their mm-hmm. house twice a day. And sometimes it was just to let the cats out of the bedroom. And other times it was changing the litter and feeding the bird and scooping, um, taking out trash and all the different things. So um, that was really our first experience with a uh, whole house sitting, dog, pet sitting thing. I've done it for people myself, but not like with my kid and trying to help her learn the skill. <laughs> so she likes cats. We're actually both allergic to our cat. Oh, no. And uh, we keep like Costco size, like uh, Zyrtec. <laughs> and we both have to take one every single day. Oh, boy. Um, we're not interested in letting go of our cat. Um, she's already 13 years old and we figure we can make it through for a few more years. But I just found out that I'm allergic to dogs. And so it's probably a good thing we never got one. <laughs> I am very happy that I did not have any allergy. Uh, My dad has an allergy to dogs and it took Mm -hmm. years of convincing for him to get me my first dog. Oh yeah. It's a big deal. Cause you're basically, you know, oh my goodness, my son, I don't know if I've talked about this in the podcast yet, but he had to write a persuasive essay the other day for school (laughs) and he wrote it on why I should get a kitten. (laughs) And he said, it's because, um, you know, our cat is not going to be with us forever because she's getting older and, um, but she's provided him a lot of comfort. Uh, and he's had, you know, we live in Arizona and scorpions are a thing. We actually had a scorpion in our house a few weeks ago. We do have scorpion control who comes. Um, but you know, every once in a while, a straight one will find their way in. And he said, so I've had, you know, a lot of nervousness about scorpions and the cat will come and like snuggle with me in my bed and it gives me a lot of comfort. And so I think I should have a kitten, you know, to basically replace. And we've, we've decided that because of the allergy that once our cat is gone, we will, we will focus on petting, you know, pet sitting for other families and that will be it. (laughs) I, I did something similar to him, uh, with a business that I had started a long time ago with my birds. Um, I, made a PowerPoint (laughs) on all the information that I had researched, all of the money that was needed, everything, everything that I would have needed and why I should do it. And here's the outcome of it. And my parents uh, 
put it on YouTube and let the, the people decide. Oh. <laughs> Ultimately, I did get my birds. <laughs> <laughs> it was fun. No, no allergies to birds. No. Well, they're outside anyways. So, okay. Um, when you're saying birds, are you talking about quail? Yeah. Quail, chickens, and guineas. Guineas, not guinea pigs. Tell me more. (laughs) Guinea fowl. uh, They're a really strange looking bird. Uh, Actually, one of my favorites to have. They're great protection birds, kind of like geese. They'll protect your property. Uh, Mine used to sit on the top of my house. And anytime somebody walked onto my driveway, they went crazy. Uh, They're known to kill off rattlesnakes and scorpions and anything else that's not supposed to be there. uh, That's alive. That's amazing. Yeah. They're they sound like squeaky doors, though. That's the only downside. <laughs> now, were these animals that you had when you were still living with your parents? Did they have a bigger property? Yeah. Uh, my mom ran a small homestead, so we had the space for it, and she taught classes. So I ended up eventually teaching classes on the birds. Uh, we were talking before we started recording that you've done a podcast before talking about raising quail. Yeah. Was that like before you had kids or your, your kid, like, was this a while back? Yeah. That's when I had the free time. (laughs) You said that you were in an apartment. So have you ever been able to have quail of your own or are they still with your mom? I, I have not had birds since, um, we have a yard that's big enough, but the fence is not very secure in terms of it's like a barred fence. So you can see through it. It doesn't yeah. move, but you can see through it. And definitely birds can get through that. Oh, uh, we did a few months ago, end up with two ducks. I, I don't know how it happened, but we ended up with two ducks. We took care of them for about a month. And then we found them a really good home actually from someone on our next door page as she came and got them and they are living the best life, <laughs> but that's <laughs> the only bird interaction I've had since then. We are hoping hopefully soon to get some property with land, but the economy says no. Not a great time to go buy a big property. No, unfortunately. And our city does allow chickens, but you have to have a yard of so many square feet, I think it is, or like, is it half an acre? I can't remember if you have to have. I'm not sure. Do you know the rules? I don't. We're an HOA, so I don't really have much of an option. All I know is that our neighborhood, um, I don't think anybody's yard would be big enough. And so even if the HOA allowed it, I don't think that the city would allow it because I I feel like you have to have pretty significantly big. I know people that do, that do have a big enough yard or that live, you know, outside of our city limits. Sorry, I didn't take my allergy pill today. So I'm a little sniffly. (laughs) I'm probably going to sneeze here soon. Um, Yeah. So when we started going to a school that had a Montessori and they had chickens, um, that was, you know, a big deal. And my daughter really wanted chickens of her own. And I'm like, can't do it. <laughs> Legally can't do it. And that was kind of helpful. I grew up in Montessori too. Oh yeah. 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 Definitely yeah, a great I, school. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was really nice because um, actually we were able to even take a turn, I think over the holiday, like when the school would be on vacation. Um, we could take a turn and go feed the chickens and collect the eggs and keep them where normally, um, they auction those eggs, like for a lot of money, um, or people will buy them, you know, each, each Mm -hmm. week, if you're the lucky family to collect the eggs. (laughs) So, um, let's talk a little bit about school. You are also going to school full time and boarding dogs and raising your baby. Um, (laughs) how are you balancing this all (laughs) or are you? Well, so I, I tried to go back to school while I was pregnant and it didn't work out great. And then I tried again, actually two days before I gave birth and did a whole semester of school then also was really rough because COVID had just began. So everything was messed up. So I, Wait, I took another you, break. You started class and gave birth two days later and you, you did a whole semester while you were on like maternity leave time yep. <laughs> and uh, during COVID. Yeah, I was online, so it made it a lot easier. Right. Um, And it wasn't a huge, it wasn't a huge workload that time. Uh, But I did decide I was trying to go back beginning of this year. uh, But I held off 
and I started the semester in August okay. of this year. And I'm just, I'm five classes at a time. It's, it's difficult. Um, I only have one class that's on zoom. The rest is all kind of go at your own pace so I can get ahead. Or if I'm somehow awake late at night and not doing anything else, I can, you know, jump on and do a few assignments or get ahead or finish something that maybe I got behind on. I learned something about myself and this was, you know, gosh, oh my goodness. 12, 15 years ago when I was doing my master's degree, I learned that I struggled a little bit with the self-paced. Um, it, it was easier for me to show up in class. Um, and nowadays it would have been easier for me to show up to a, a, a live Zoom event mm-hmm. um, just so that I you know, have no reason to push things off, to procrastinate. Um, I do really well with showing up for these recordings. Um, but sometimes it's you know, a little easier for me to get distracted with like my work. Um, around my home and the family duties and things like that. So I like having that set schedule. Um, how are you doing with it? Are you a self-motivated person? So I, I think this time the biggest difference was I really, really wanted to go back to school. So mm-hmm. that helps. I uh, sat down a month before classes started. I wrote up, you know, my short-term, mid-term, and long-term goals yeah. uh, in different categories, whether it be education, financial, health, and uh, I, I think I do well because my time is very valuable to me. And something that I w- found really frustrating in college back then was sometimes you're just there because it's that long. It's not that the material takes an hour and a half. It's could take 15 minutes, but you're just there because of seat time. Mm -hmm. And then you've got drive time. And I really, I can't be away from the dogs that much, but I value my time enough and my comfort that I am more than happy to motivate myself to do it at home. Well, are you able to pet a dog, you know, have them comforted at your feet or whatever and get your work done? Or are they distracting to you? I, like I said earlier with the upstairs, uh, usually the dogs, senior dogs, dogs with medical issues or dogs that are really nervous. It's their first day or something. They usually spend a lot of time in the office with me because it's a very calm environment. Mm-hmm. Um, they sleep under the desk. They sleep by the door. Um, mm-hmm. sometimes I got two or three in here. It yeah. just kind of depends. Do you have any in there with you right now? I don't, I am afraid they're going to bark. <laughs> <laughs> um, what about your classes? Are you ever needing to be on camera or on audio where that would be an issue? I just have one class that's the zoom class and it's a very relaxed class. They're mm-hmm. more than happy to see, you know, dogs popping up in the back here and there. <laughs> So it is interactive, like you are on camera. Oh yeah, but, yeah. Okay, and because I know, like, I'm, a lot of I have audio lecture. So no, it's very interactive. The one class that I have on Zoom, we have multiple activities throughout the day, or throughout okay. the class, I guess, uh, where we, you know, group up. I guess mm-hmm. Zoom has an option for you know grouping different people up and doing activities there and coming back, and we use external resources to also do other activities. So it's very interactive and. If you aren't there, then you're missing out. One of the things that I learned was helpful with, you know, having kids in the house is I have my um, headset that has um, a mute button on it. So like you can mute yourself on Zoom and everyone can see that you're muted, but you could also mute yourself on your headset. And it's a little bit more of a secret mute um, Mm -hmm. that I would use for, you know, like if I needed to clear my throat really loudly or if my kid was knocking on the door. Yeah. Um, I see you're wearing a nice big headset. Are, is that a Bluetooth? No, it's, it's plugged into my computer. It's a, it's not mine. It's the gaming headset. Oh, right. I'm just Got borrowing it. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So do you usually even use a headset at all then when you're in your class? No, I just have open sound. Can you talk a little bit about how you communicate with your clients, your, your dog people, your dog owners? communication via how I continue to talk to them or how I at first I guess just how do you get the word out that you do your boarding and your training and your dog sitting um 
And then, you know, how do you maintain it? Cause I know that, you know, working from home isn't just literally, you know, having dogs in your home, you had to get them, you had to get the word out. And why don't you just talk a little bit about how you let people know about your business? So the, my biggest form of what I like to call my advertisement <laughs> is through a company called Rover. And this is like a giant database for sitters, your background checked, uh, you write a bio, you have, you know, specific requirements for dogs that you have or will host, I guess. And people can leave reviews, you have your pricing up on there, and it makes it really easy for people to reach out. The only downside to sticking with Rover is they do take quite a bit, um, which is is frustrating. Uh, usually with people, though, uh, like my regulars, they find me on Rover once and then we, we switch over after. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been on Rover since 2016, so uh, a lot longer than a lot of the people on there. So I've got plenty of reviews to read through and my bio is very full. <laughs> Um, I feel like the whole taking a percentage is kind of across the board, across a lot of different, okay, for instance, out school is kind of like the way that online teachers can teach um, kids like, you know, like K through 12 kids, you know, classes or conduct um, clubs or camps or, you know, one-on-one tutoring, but I think they still take like maybe even up to 30%. I can't remember because I haven't done it for a while. Um, like to get back into that, but there's always that thing where you need to be like, I am on here to kind of get my foot in the door, but having that website is, is handy. You just have to be sure that you're not breaking the terms of agreement. They do pay attention to the conversation. So if they see anything, Mm -hmm. they send you an email. They don't ever do anything about it, but they send you an email. Yeah. I think it's meant to startle people. Yeah. Uh, Luckily I joined 2016, because I believe 2018 or 2019, they switched from taking 15% to 20%. So mm-hmm. I got a little lucky <laughs> staying back there. And you got grandfathered uh, into that rate. Yeah. Yeah. My, my prices are my own. And because they take a percentage, I do charge a little bit higher yeah. on yeah. Rover than I would, you know, otherwise. Uh, but I do advertise also on our local next door group. I'm in a lot of Facebook groups that are very breed specific. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people, uh, like for example, I have German shepherds and an Australian shepherd and people who have German shepherds are very specific with who takes their dog because these dogs, you know, have, have a background that makes some people uncomfortable or they're difficult to handle. Um, some are great, but they're just perceived wrong. And so they prefer to find somebody who has experience with German shepherds or has German shepherds because they get along great together. <laughs> uh, so I, I do a lot of advertising in uh, like the German shepherd groups or the Aussie groups uh, or the dog mom group. <laughs> okay. Do you find that you've um, end up training some of the dogs you board or board some of the dogs that you train? Yeah, I, I get a lot of people with puppies who, you know, reach out to me either after or during, and they're like, Hey, can we set something up? Or can you work with my dog? Well, they're at your house, which is an absolutely, cause I am always here to work on puppy behavior. <laughs> I love puppies. I don't love the behavior that comes with them. Uh, but my profile is really, really, I guess I could say open in terms of, you know, I require very specific things. Uh, there's some things that are an absolute no, no. And, I talk a lot about the training and my background in, I guess that you could say in vet med and uh, the longer background in training. So a lot of people actually reach out to me to uh, request training instead of boarding. So it's kind of a mix. And if you're training someone that you're boarding, can you charge more? Yeah. Um, Boarding trains are, are pretty expensive at facilities. Um, you can expect for a two to three weeks sort of board and train, depending on whether it's for obedience or you're actually, you know, fighting a behavioral issue. It runs anywhere between, you know, three and seven grand for that entire time, which is really pricey. And a lot of people who really need it can't afford that. So uh, when I do board and trains, it's mostly in terms of, you know, the boarding rate. And then I do three sessions a day with dogs who are board and trained. So then it's an individual charge for each session each day, which still comes out to a lot less than three to seven grand. Right. Um, I, 
I do hope to eventually have a facility where we can do that with more trainers, uh, make it a lot easier. And, you know, we could, we could help more people in that term. So that's your long-term goal right now. Yeah, it's a, there's a big long-term goal surrounding that, but uh, at the moment, you know, that's, that's one of the things that we're working towards. Well, if you had someone else that can train with you or that can help you with boarding, then you wouldn't be tied to your home 24 seven. That depends on, you know, who I have boarding with me. Right. Uh, some dogs require a lot, uh, a lot of time spent, you know, watching them. Some dogs are destructive or some have separation anxiety and I really don't want my house destroyed. So mm-hmm. uh, I'm home a lot more, whereas I've got a few regulars who are very, very calm. And they're definitely a part of my pack now. They love my dogs. They get along great. They kind of do the same routine together every day. And at that point, I can be away a little longer. Um, I have had a few dogs in the past. Um, I think around 20, 2017 or 2018, I had one one dog is still my favorite. Um <laughs> I did a lot of daycare for that dog and her mom worked in the medical field and I would take her dog on trips. We went to Sedona and Flagstaff. I took her to see her for snow. So, I mean, I've done a lot with, you know, my regulars, uh, some dogs who've, you know, been coming to me for a year or more, sometimes even as little as six months. It's, I have a lot of people who, you know, especially with the career that they work and really need a lot more. Um, and house sitting was something that was really big for me pre baby, (laughs) um, focusing on school and my other job that I worked at the time, I house sat pretty consistently. I don't think I was home ever. I was bouncing between houses. I'd have one stay end and the other one start the same day. So I was, I lived all over Arizona and all different houses. (laughs) So you were like, live in house sitting, like not just like popping in dog nanny. Okay. (laughs) Yeah. So house sitting and dog sitting. (laughs) Yeah. I just don't do the house sitting anymore because I can't be away from home. I I feel like I had another question I wanted to follow up with. Um, but why don't you talk a little bit about what changed when you had your baby? Well, when I, when I had her, I, I guess right before I had her, I was working a job as an office manager out of somebody's house and it was a seasonal job. So I left in, I think November or December. And then I gave birth in January. Uh, at that point I was not working and I spent a lot of time at home by myself with this baby that I didn't know what to do. with, <laughs> And I developed really, really bad social anxiety. Mm-hmm. And cause I didn't talk to anybody. I didn't, hang out with anybody at all. So it was, it was really lonely and I wasn't working. I had my dog, my older dog. And then, um, and then in July, I made a very hormonal decision to buy, uh, (laughs) my middle dog, my middle shepherd. And so I had that as something to do. And then I quickly jumped into another job. It was very, very part-time. I don't even know if you could call it part-time, but I taught group classes. So that was terrifying at first. I was probably red in the face and shaking the whole time I was talking to somebody, but, you know, eventually I got really comfortable with it. And from there I switched to, uh, being a vet receptionist. And at that point I talked to a lot of people and instead of just dealing with people who are inquiring about a service, I am now dealing with people, especially post COVID who are angry. And it took me probably a good three or four months before I was comfortable fully handling somebody who calls and yells at me or is claiming all sorts of things that are absolutely irrelevant to me. And it sucks as a receptionist because you can't do anything about it. And you had no control over the decisions. I, I I do remember hearing, like, again, we don't have a dog, um, but that just that vet services were really backed up, like really, really backed up and overwhelmed yeah, for there, some time. What kinds of things were people angry about? Uh, appointments. <laughs> or they would call, uh, like, for example, so prescriptions, which a lot of dogs need and some need it, you know, very consistently, they have to be filled by the doctor that you have seen prior. 
And people like to wait until the day their dog runs out of medication and they call and they're like, I need more. I'm like, well, your doctor isn't here till Tuesday. So I don't know what to tell you. And then they get mad about that. Or uh, our specific hospital was not like uh, an emergency hospital. We were more, more so clinic and basic surgery. And so we would have people who would, you know, call in or show up with an animal that is in dire need of emergency Emergency services. services. (laughs) And I, you know, in most cases have to say, you know, we don't have the material to treat your animal in this condition. So please go this way. And then they call the next day and they're mad or something. Um, But, you know, we're all very short staffed and we were out so far because so many people who had waited Uh, during COVID because they didn't want the exposure to other people held off on taking their dog to the vet or their cat. And Mm -hmm. then finally, you know, realized, oh, I probably need to do it because it's not going away. And so they would all call in at the same time. And, you know, whether it was new clients or existing clients, it was very hectic. Did you also have curbside uh, assistance at your clinic? Our clinic, we didn't specifically do curbside unless it was very specifically requested. So um, we've had a few instances where we have somebody who, you know, has a physical disability and can't, you know, take it from the parking lot all the way inside or has a dog that just is too much. Uh, We had a lot of uh, moms with multiple children who can't take their two dogs inside or pregnant women who can't carry their dog inside. So we did curbside assistance for that kind of thing, but primarily it was just people coming in. I don't think I actually asked you, this is kind of changing the subject abruptly, but what are you studying for school? I am finishing general requirements that I slacked on. Um, I am doing a data analytics course at the moment and I'm going to retake my real estate exam and class. That's the one I took uh, when I, or I guess right after, right before I gave birth was the real estate course. And that was when COVID had began. So we had the course and it ended, I think in June. And because of COVID, they kept putting off the final uh, because they didn't, they were like, yo, you can't come in. So (laughs) I think they finally made the final available in November. And at that point, the information had gone out my head. It was, there was no way I tried. (laughs) I could not pass it. So I'm probably just going to retake it again. um, Just because I don't know that I want to do real estate. It might be something that I can, you know, pop in here and there for, but uh, I think it would be nice to have it at least. So you're thinking... Um, possibly data analytics. Is that what you said? So the data analytics would be kind of a, in the meantime, uh, something that I can do as I continue to develop this larger business idea that I have. Uh, It's something that I can do from home. So it's perfect for me. Mm -hmm. Um, And then you know, once this large business gets moving, which is what I am evidently going to school for, uh, once it gets moving, then I will more than likely back off of the data analytics. It'll be nice to have the skill for business anyways, Uh, but I will probably just do full-time business after that. So would that help me out? Would that be more of like a data entry type work? Uh, It's more of like, Kind of, kind of like when you see a survey to gain knowledge on, you know, how customers feel about a specific thing and you compile all of that data together and you make a decision on, you know, whether to keep said product or mm-hmm. here's how we make people happier or here's how we keep people in a job longer, that kind of thing. So it's not necessarily entry. It's, it's more of the study. Does it include statistics? Unfortunately, <laughs> it kind of kicked my butt. I, I don't think I even took like a formal statistics class. Um, I don't think brainy... it'll be formal either. Yeah, uh, my I'm not great at math. <laughs> pretty brainy and even statistics kicked his butt. So uh, yeah, more power to you. But yeah, I, I really love conducting like a good um, like focus groups and, you know, like surveys like mm-hmm. on a maybe less technical level. Yeah, 
That could be really interesting. So it's like that, but then you, you know, you spend some time looking at the data and then you make a decision on how you want to proceed with something using the data. My kitty is outside my door. <laughs> what kitty. We're doing. Yeah. Um, when we have company, which we did, um, our, our out of town guests are actually renting a place here in town, but they've been with us um, a few times here at the beginning and a little bit at the end, maybe. Um, so we moved my cat box out of the downstairs bathroom up into our, our bathroom, which is mm-hmm. just on the other side of the store here. Um, and so she's like in close quarters with me right now. Um, you know, these houses that we live in, in Arizona, I mean, obviously every, you know, layout is going to be different, but our particular neighborhood is just very efficient in how they use their space. But that basically means there's like zero good place to put a cat box. (laughs) Right. Do you also take care of cats? Not in my house. Uh, I have two cats of my own. Okay. Uh, Three dogs and two cats. Yeah. And a ton of fish. (laughs) I... My favorite, no birds, sadly. (laughs) My favorite uh, thing to tell people in regards to, you know, having dogs or cats is dogs, you go out and you find a dog. Cats appear. (laughs) My cats, uh, my my oldest cat, she's pretty young. uh, She was left at my desk at the vet. And so I took her home. Like secretly or it's like someone gave her to you? Well, he came up and he didn't want to pay the fee at the Humane Society to leave an animal there. And he said, if I didn't take the cat, then he would throw it out. I was like, all right, cat is mine. (laughs) And then a few months later, my neighbors come to my door with this tiny, tiny little kitten. And they're like, well, we don't know what to do with it. I'm like, okay, but I'm not keeping it. And I kept it. (laughs) Oh, so my cat came to me. Like you said, um, the kids in our youth church that I was helping with at the time found her under my car. They're like, oh, look, there's this little cat. She was maybe about two months old. And it was like nine o'clock at night. And we're like, we see no sign of like a mother cat or other kittens. Like, we don't know where this cat came from. But this is not safe on this busy street, like at an intersection. And I, um, the kids were holding her and I was like, get away from that dirty cat. (laughs) Put that thing down. (laughs) And they put her in my arms. And she's like. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she's like claiming me and melted my heart. And it was at a time that I was really lonely. Um, I was living alone. Um, My old roommate had invited me to come back and live with her, um, but I wanted to move South. I needed to get away from Minnesota. The winters were just like, I never was formally diagnosed with seasonal affective disorder, but I just know that that would have been a thing. If I would have stayed any longer, I stayed too long. It's the rain. The rain, the cl- oh, the clouds, the, <laughs> the dark. Well, I guess the the, the snow for throws. you. I'm yeah. from Seattle, so okay, we rain, had the yeah. the depression uh, in accordance oh. to the rain oh, and the yeah. clouds. So ours was not just dark and cold and wet, but also like literally icy roads and oh, snow, and like feeling like you were going to die almost every single day when you're commuting in the winter time, and like. Yeah, the four o'clock dark and the you know seven a.m. It would be dark. It was it was hard. So you picked so anyway, a place with no snow. <laughs> yeah, I eventually got it all the way down to Arizona. I met my husband in Missouri actually, but the cat came with me, and I think that cat kind of was what I needed that last year. What um, before I moved south, mm-hmm. she got me through that last really hard winter. Really, like I kind of feel like she saved me in a little way. Um, it's funny because the kids who found her I thought she was a boy. And I had oh. enough experience being like, you know, I was raised on a hobby farm and we always had kittens. And so I was like, nope, this is a girl. I'm like, how do you know? And I'm like, magic. <laughs> you know, um, I have experience in this. Um, yeah. yeah. And so uh, I named her, they wanted to call her Garfunkel and I named her Sweet Pea. So I've got a little cat named Sweet Pea and she's I like it. Yeah. Yeah. So she's actually officially Sweet Pea Garfunkel. <laughs> That's cute. So yeah, you're right. Cats do kind of come to you. They do. Um, I just can't have cats in my house aside from my own. Mine are very rude. Uh, They like (laughs) my older dog and that's it. Um, They don't, yeah, they don't like anything else. And our place is small enough that if I'm boarding both dogs and cats, and I'm not totally sure how the other dogs are with cats, it's really not a safe environment for them. Oh. So I do drop-ins for cats, and I've got okay. some regulars that I do. But other than that, I don't do the boarding portion of it. 
Here comes my kitty. <laughs> you want to say hi? I think she has said hi once before. She's oh, actually she's so not a very cute. friendly cat, but she's pretty. <laughs> she's very pretty. Okay. She said, let going. me down. <laughs> um, so what have you found has helped you make it through this working from home and the isolation? Like, has anything been helpful to you? Well, if we're talking in terms of avoiding burnout, uh, which is something I have experienced more than once. That's why I actually left the vet field was the burnout was so bad and there was no, you know, work home balance. Mm -hmm. And so I decided that it'd be better. So I switched to, you know, back to what I'm used to doing and, you know, it feels great when you have a very consistent, you know, set of clients and, I, I got really excited with that and I, I decided to continue booking and I didn't give myself a break because I was like, oh, I'm, I'm great. This is awesome. It's going well. And I was consistent between two to seven dogs at a time between May and August. And at that point, then it got really bad. So I, I decided I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a week break first. And then I'm going to yeah. focus on making sure I take like a three day break here, here and there. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it got to the point where, you know, I had dogs dropping off for daycare and some of them drop off at like six or 7am. And so even on the days where I didn't have anybody dropping off in the morning, I would wake up in a panic like 30 minutes before six or something. Yeah. And I'm like, crap, somebody's going to come. And so I'm like <laughs> running through my phone, looking at my appointments and my calendar. I'm like, is there anybody that's going to show up at my door? I literally could not sleep past like 536 because I was so panicked every morning that I had something scheduled, even though in the back of my head, I know I didn't. Yeah. And I'm, I'm so afraid of missing something that I, I freak out. <laughs> No, I totally get it because I've been teaching English for the last three, three and a half years. And I was waking up at one, two o'clock in the morning. And even on my day off, like literally I didn't have to set an alarm clock. I could sleep until nine or 11 if I wanted to. I would be up at 4 a.m. Because your body is accustomed to that clock. Yeah. Yeah. And then I would worry about, you know, what's going on in the house. Like it'd be 2 a.m. and I'd be sitting there, you know what's that sound or something. So I went and I bought cameras. So I have cameras everywhere. So I can at any point of the day or the night, if I'm home or not home or in bed, Mm -hmm. I can Mm -hmm. open my phone and I can check and see what everybody is doing. Are they like baby monitor cameras? It's like the home security type cheaper indoor cameras that you can buy at target. (laughs) But I mean, they're not, they're not great and they don't, like the inside ones don't record unless I specifically am on there and I request it to for the time okay. that I am viewing. So okay. if something is happening, I can pop up and record it. But mm-hmm. if something happened, I can't go back and see. But right. mostly I have it so that I can pop on at any point and see what's going on. So it's not a huge necessity to me that I can actually go back. Does that help you see better? Having it does. It, it does. Um, I'm we tired at the end of the day anyways I fall asleep the second my head hits the pillow it's just I'll wake up periodically yeah it's like having a newborn I bet like that kind of you're always sleeping a little light and I have bat ears yeah the slightest sound I am like I'm wide awake every single time and do you feel like you need to have those bat ears or do you feel like you could start to like use a white noise machine to help you sleep or do you feel like you should? I can pretty much hear through noise. If, <laughs> if I know that something is, you know, going on, I can hear it. Uh, like when my daughter will be watching a movie or something and she'll make the lightest sound, just mm-hmm. like maybe like a ah or something like that. Slightest mm-hmm. sound. And even though the TV is all the way up, I'm like, I just heard her. Like, I know it's, it's weird. I've never had ears like that before I was a heavy sleeper, but I do have selective hearing. So yeah, I choose. Yes. Um, but with puppies, um, when they're quiet, usually, you know, something is going on. Oh. So when it's too quiet, I'm like, all right, what are you doing? 
So that I have to be able to listen because puppies get into things. Although Mm -hmm. crate training is a must at my house for boarding. It gives, you know, dogs a place of their own. Mm -hmm. It keeps them away from other dogs while they're eating. Um, They can have toys in there, but they can't have toys in big groups because I don't know who can share and who can't always at least. Um, And crates keep puppies safe because they will chew things and they'll swallow things and you don't want to hide that bill. So crates are a must at my house. Yeah, that makes sense. Um, you said that you had two to seven dogs at a time. Are, are we talking like the doggy daycare hours or are we talking overnights as well? Both. And are you doing weekends like 24, seven, seven days a week kind of thing? Yep. <laughs> All the time. Do you have a limit? Like at some point you're like, I'm full. I can't take anybody. Yes. Um, it mostly depends on the size of dogs and the energy of dogs. So, uh, like for example, I can have, we'll say like three large dogs if I only have, you know, the rest are small dogs Okay. and then the energy level. So who gets along well with who? So, uh, my older dog has mellowed out over the past year. He is really, really great with also older dogs uh, because he's very calm and he's great with dogs who are fearful and he is really great with the tiny dogs. Um, Even if they've got the energy, he's better suited for playgroups because I do separate playgroups. And then my middle dog, she is a nut basically bouncing off the walls with energy. She recharges in 30 seconds. It's like and my so nine-year-old she, son. <laughs> she's a perfect fit for dogs who are very high energy and puppies. She's really great about picking up the cues of like, Hey, I know they realize they don't want to play anymore. So I'm done. She'll back off. Um, and my older dog is good with younger puppies because he's good at teaching those cues of, you know, Hey, that, that hurts. That's too much. And so I, my size really depends on what size of dog and what temperament of dog and who can go in what group. Uh, Cause if I have too many in one group, then it makes it really difficult to alternate between. So what has made that easier for you? Like, have you figured out a rhythm over the last few years that you've, you know, giving yourself a little bit more downtime by having the play groups go out at certain times and give yourself a rest kind of thing? Yeah. So I'm up early morning and that makes it a lot easier during summer. That's a the Mm -hmm. longest time that dogs can be outside. So I try to do early morning, uh, the relaxed dogs go out and they do their thing. And majority of the time they just want to come back in. Okay. And then after that, our crazy crew go out and they can do, you know, an hour or so of play, if not Mm -hmm. longer, depending on the temperature. And then everybody comes in, they go in their crate, they eat breakfast, and then they have an hour or so of downtime Uh, which allows their food to digest and prevents bloat. So they get that time. And then we do small increments of time uh, over the day. Again, depending on the temperature outside, sometimes it's longer summer months. It has to be five minutes max Mm because it's, it's too hot. Otherwise you're talking in the daytime. Yeah. Like when the sun is up. Yep. Uh, Nighttime, uh, pretty much like you were going backwards on the morning routine um, everybody eats, takes a break, then they go out, then it's bedtime. And once mm-hmm. it's bedtime, that's it. I've got music playing constantly downstairs. It's dark. It's nice. Everybody's upstairs, all the people at least. And so I try to create that environment where they get downtime too, mm-hmm. which allows me to have my downtime. Again, some dogs have a really hard time with that. And they howl and they bark all night. <laughs> and it is, it is difficult because it's a whole lot of sleep lost. Mm-hmm. Um, how many times do you have to go out and scoop poop in a day? <laughs> That's a lot of dogs. They, our yard is primarily rock and dirt. So half the time it disappears. I don't know where it goes. Uh, I think it just slips under the dirt or something, but it's usually, you know, three or four times a week that we end up doing that. And it's in big loads when we do. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's rough. 
I've been following some posts by a woman who's in our, our local city group and or town group, I guess, um, a town of 250,000 or whatever we have, <laughs> but she's like a professional pooper scooper. And she said that she has like two to 300 pounds of poop every week that she has to dispose of. And I'm assuming you're not quite there because she's you know, a professional pooper scooper, but um, kind of probably feels like it some days. Some days. Uh, <laughs> I've looked into, you know, maybe picking up Adding a service like that. Service? Yeah. Well, hiring somebody to do it because it's very oh. tedious. Oh, I see. Um, yes. However, most of the time their pricing goes based off of amount of dogs and my mm. amount of dogs varies. Yes. And I have a lot yes. at a time. Yeah. And for the money that I make just boarding dogs, it's not feasible. It'd eventually it would. And eventually at one point in the Your future, <laughs> that's what kids are for. <laughs> I know I was for chores, mm-hmm. helping with the dishes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, my, my 10 year old just did the cat seating job and it's not great pay. Um, but for her, it is, you know, compared to the zero money that she's usually making, um, right. it's we, exciting. Don't, we don't currently pay for chores. Like they're just expected. I mean, eventually I we probably will. Um, I think my family, I always made like at least $5 a week, you know, for doing, you know, but we were like mowing lawn and like scrubbing bathrooms every you know day. Cause we had a million kids in our family. Um, and eventually we'll get there, but yeah, $5 a day for, um, you know, a 10 year old is still pretty great money. Yeah. Our parents didn't do allowance. They were, um, more on, if you do your chores, then you can go out and have free time. If you don't, then you get more chores. <laughs> Ours is now tied to video games. Like we have a switch that they would like. My brother to play every has day. been there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. So that's, uh, that's how we roll and how we get things done. But yeah, I think eventually it'll be more motivating for them. Oh my gosh. My, my middle kid is just so jealous that my 10 year old has a career. She has two <laughs> careers because now she can twist balloons and cats it. And he is just like, what can I do for a career? And I'm like, first of all, you're dying. So we're not really talking about careers right now, but like, if you want to pull weeds, maybe some of your neighbors will pay you for that. He's really good at keeping our yard free of weeds. My little brother was just like that growing up. Cause I was always, you know, trying to start the new, or, yeah, roll it <laughs> in the dough. And he was always like, well, I want to do something. And I mean, we came up with so many ideas for him. Not that he ever followed through, but a really good one uh, that a lot of people needed was uh, cleaning trash cans. Like you go to Walmart and you buy one of the big scrub brushes, a few cleaners, and you know, you bring a few gallons of water and you walk around and you, you know, scrub out people's trash cans because they get so bad and people will pay for that. In Arizona, they just reek. I I actually put our trash can back this morning and I'm like, ugh. It's bad. But that's something that he was doing for that for that service probably anything depending on your area I would say people would probably pay an average of maybe 15 to 20 for that oh man uh, I was gonna start at five so that sounds great oh okay yeah (laughs) I I think that would include if you wanted to do like both recycle and trash can Um, but I mean it's tedious and it's gross work so it's you know something that people will pay for because they don't want to do it so obviously if we um if anyone who's listening is local to Gilbert, Arizona, they can find Willow uh, to be, you know, a great resource for pet sitting and um, I guess doggy daycare or, or training. But do you have any advice for anyone who might be interested in adding this as like a side gig, like in addition to like, I don't know, a day job? Is it even possible to be a doggy daycare and work from home? It is. Uh, You have to be open about your time with people because it's hard to understand what people's expectations are. Mm -hmm. And some people I've, I've come across who are very chill. They don't care. They're like, as long as my dog is with somebody, I don't care. And then some people who, you know, they want their dog to have attention 24 seven, which is not something that somebody who works from home can provide. Um, I do let people know like, Hey, I have an office dog spend time with me in the office. Mm -hmm you know, that's, you know, my, that's my solitary time. Mm-hmm. Um, I do run quick errands here and there. Um, so I'm not, I, I like to say I'm home 90% of the time, Okay, but not all the time. 
Uh, and so if you're, if you're open with people about the fact that you also work from home, uh, which most people will appreciate by the way, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um, then they, you, you'll avoid the stress of dealing with someone who's upset that maybe their dog isn't getting a 24 seven sort of attention. Mm-hmm. Um, and it makes it a lot easier if you have dogs of your own who, you know, are great with specific types of dogs, like active dogs, or they're very chill and you can adjust to, you know, taking care of only active dogs or only, you know, senior dogs and, you know, whatever fits your lifestyle, do it. Uh, it can make, it can make good money. Uh, it is very time consuming and definitely do your best to avoid burnout because it comes quick. Right. What, which aspect do you think would contribute the most or the fastest to the burnout? Was that, would that be the overnight stuff? I would, I would say just not taking breaks in general. Um, something that I'm still needing to do that will really help me is setting like work hours, Mm -hmm. uh, because I, I've had people drop off as early as 4am and people pick up their dog boarding as late as one or 2 a.m. And I really need to do set hours. Like if you're not here, you know, before 7 p.m. come in the morning. Like I I need sleep too. Yeah. Uh, I think that's that's one of my big problems right now that I mm -hmm. I need to eventually establish. They're probably just trying to avoid the extra day rate or something like that. But and I'm I'm flexible. Uh I know plans get delayed, stuff happens. Um and I'm fine, you know, 10 30 PM is fine by me. If, yeah. if your flight is truly delayed or something happens and you really can't get here, that's fine. I just not much past that. Cause I do need my sleep. Yeah. That's, that would be a little wild. And I can see there being a lot of similarities with, um, child care versus doggy care. And I know that there's, you know, like if you're one minute late, <laughs> you're going to be charged for the next oh, yeah. day or something like that. Like mm-hmm. I can see you needing to just, do you have a contract that you have people sign? I don't at the moment. Um, the nice, the nice thing about Rover is they take care of a lot of expectations. So, um, when they, you know, sign up, they prepay for everything Mm -hmm. and they're covered by a thing called Rover guarantee. It's not very beneficial, but it's like a minor form of insurance. So it, it doesn't cover a lot, but it covers some, which is just a nice kind of background thing. Um, I do require all vaccines and any other you know, special instructions uh, because I have multiple dogs from multiple families at a time. It is yeah. important to keep everybody safe. I also send a giant paragraph with all of my rules and instructions and how I run things so people understand you know, how I work and how their dog is going to be experiencing the next, you know, couple days to a couple weeks. So people are prepared in advance. So a giant paragraph. So that's probably a little bit like a contract, just like these are, you know, just nobody signs it. (laughs) Got it. Yeah. Okay. A verbal, a (laughs) nonverbal, a visual. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, cool. And how long have you boarded a dog before? I think my longest boarding ever was probably two and a half months oh my it was an experience uh like overseas kind of trip or something like that yep yeah I've done house sitting that was really long too around that same time frame um and I've had smaller boardings that are still quite long and this is usually those ones are when people you know have a baby or they have an emergency trip out or they don't know how long they'll be gone for. Uh, and we usually keep it to like that two month limit of like, we'll find out where we are at a month and a half. And if we still need it, then we have to plan ahead sort of thing. I'm curious about collaboration with other dog boarders in the area. Like, do you have like a backup or someone that you can refer to? Or like when you take your vacation that someone could pick up some of the dogs? So I, I don't necessarily have anyone local in Gilbert. Uh, I am on a Facebook page for uh, dog sitters. And if I need to, I can post something like, hey, is anybody available to take this? Uh, I was previously located in North Phoenix. And so I have a few 
of my clients that were fairly regular back then uh, who rarely need something, but they do here and there. And I've got a friend uh, who still lives up in North Phoenix that takes care of that for me. Good for you. Yeah. Yeah. I think that connection is probably helpful, but otherwise they're on their own. <laughs> Go find <laughs> someone else. Pretty much. Yeah. So in the future, your plan to make your um, isolation a little easier to manage, do you have like a next step, like something that you would like to implement to make that part of your work from home journey a little easier? I I love hosting things. Uh, when I have people come over, the planning prior and the duration of it is a lot better. And I need I need to do that more. Um, now that everybody's kind of back in town again, um, I'll probably start hosting my, you know, monthly party. Mostly it's a game night and some dinner. <laughs> right. Um, I think you I just and I need should that probably social. team up on that. Um, oh, yeah. we, we've been super isolated through the pandemic and mm-hmm. we're still ongoing isolated because of, you know, having three kids under the age of 12 who can't be vaccinated yet. But Um, I always was like hosting game nights and movie nights and dinners and, you know, book clubs, anything I could, I mean, in the buy nothing group, one of the things I love to take if I'm going to receive something is anything that would be good for like entertaining, like big platters and surfing bowls. And yeah, (laughs) that's fun. I love hosting. I love having people over. Uh, it makes it really difficult when I have a lot of dogs though. So usually I have to wait till I slow down a bit to, to do that. Cause it, it's hard having a lot of people in a small house with a lot of dogs. Right. So during that time of year that everything is slow, do you ever give yourself a weekend? You said sometimes a three day weekend. Yeah, I've been doing that a lot more recently. Um, I am going up North for the first time in a long time. Uh, just just for a few nights. My parents went and rented a cabin up there. So I'm going to ditch my house and <laughs> head up there. Good for you. I'm excited. <laughs> All right. Well, any final thoughts before we wrap it up? I don't have anything. Thank you, Will. This has been a fun conversation. I learned a few things, definitely. And um, don't have a dog that needs to be... Um, cared for, but definitely, um, I will keep you in mind. There are a lot of dogs in Arizona. I don't know what the statistics are as far as like compared to other places, but I have lived multiple places and I have never seen so many dogs. Is it like a thing here? (laughs) I'm not sure. It's been a long time since I've lived not in Arizona. Yeah. It seems like everybody seems to have one these days, unless they have allergies. If someone wanted to reach out to you, is there a good way for them to find you? Like look for you and Rover or you can look for me through Rover uh, just by looking up uh, the locals in Gilbert. You can reach me through my email. Yeah, I'll put it in the show notes. All right. Thank you, Willow. <laughs> Appreciate your chatting with me. And I hope I get to meet you in real life here soon. Uh, maybe we'll have to host a, a movie night or game night sometime soon. I'm down for that. <laughs> All right. This has been Willow Eldridge. I'm April Malone with Yes, I Work From Home, and we'll see you next time. Thank you so much, Willow. Bye. Take care.